Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to Team Success. Today, we are on episode six of our fabulous series about really how to strategically work with wonderful executive assistants and how to really maximize the teamwork and the investment and the results that you get from working with people with our fabulous co-hosts, Stephen Nooner and Ryan Kasten of Superpowers. I'm excited because, well, we were talking about this earlier, it's kind of bittersweet that we've come to the end of the series. However, we want to end on a bang, <laughs> so it's going to be good. So as promised from our last one, we are talking about winning formulas, what the highest performers are doing, and there are nine things that the highest performers are doing. So we're going to crank through some of these. Some we'll talk about longer, some of them we'll talk about shorter. So that's not a two or three hour podcast, <laughs> just saying, <laughs> but we're going to have some fun. So first of all, thank you both for creating, co-creating the series with me. It's been a great journey. And I, I feel like we're, uh, we've had this great conversation on a long flight together. And now we're sort of coming in on final approach for a nice, graceful, soft landing. So it's been a lot of fun. Been a blast. I love that. Been a blast. Yeah. I keep learning new things. I, certain things get reinforced and validated. And then I'm like, oh my gosh. I shouldn't be doing that, right? Or not should, but I want to do that. And we've gotten great feedback, not only from listeners who are entrepreneurs, but also from assistants and people who work with entrepreneurs and assistants who are like, oh my gosh, share this. <laughs> you need to know this. So I love that we're actually creating value for not just one type of person, but in fact, for everyone listening. So thank you for all well, of Well, value needs to be created for both for it to be a winning relationship. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, me too. Could not agree more. All right, so let's jump into this because there's a lot of things to cover. And some of them are, I would say, obvious. Some of them are not. Some of them you know would be a good idea to do, but you don't. So stay tuned because I think this will be kind of fun. I would use this as a checklist to be perfectly honest. So these are literally learning what habits have been providing exceptional results for high-performing entrepreneurs and assistant pairs. So again, this is what works, everybody. Last time we talked about pitfalls <laughs> and this time we're going to talk about what works. So let's jump into these. Number one is time blocking, creating your ideal weekly schedule. How important is this and why? I think that it's obviously crucial to set in the tone, right? We have big visions, right? That we create a lot of us in coach, we, you know, all the way to a lifetime extender, right? And we're trying to chunk it down, having connection points and being in sync with how that work's going to align with that bigger future is a really, really foundational piece. And the bigger thing that I would say that we see here is remembering that it evolves, right? So the vision that you have for your future is getting clearer each quarter as you're making progress together, right? And so mm -hmm. the things as you have a deeper understanding of your unique ability, the things you're going to be working on are going to shift. The opportunities you're going to be working on as you delegate more and build out your team. So, you know, just tactically here, I think it's really important that you stay in sync here and update regularly. And I can't think of a better tool for it just tactically than doing an activity inventory. For me, do an activity inventory at least once a year. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And, and one of the things, I mean, I feel like some of these, it would be a little bit repetitive, but you could say, you know, time blocking, creating your ideal weekly schedule, and then tell your assistant about it, right? Like that's the missing piece on so many of these. And I think it's one of the through lines of what makes for a winning relationship and one that falls behind. And so, yes, know your unique ability, 
but then make sure your assistant knows your unique ability. Mm-hmm. Know what your ideal you know week looks like and how the time blocking works, but then make sure your assistant is enrolled in that as well. Yeah. If you don't take the time to be intentional about enrolling them in the thought work that you're doing, they're never going to be a strategic partner who sees things through the same lens. They're just going to be reacting to whatever priority you're setting rather than helping set the priority, set the agenda for you. Oh, I could not agree more. It's interesting because I think about this when I coach the weekly planner every week. So we have a weekly planning call, which is where we kind of talk through doing the weekly planner. And it's a great, I love it because it's my half hour prompt on Mondays to fill up my weekly planner. And obviously we get our clients on there too. And I love it when assistants are on there because then they know what the heck is going on. But the whole thing about time blocking, you know, in our strategic coaches entrepreneurial time system, free days, focus days, buffer days. If you don't communicate when your free days are, stuff's going to get scheduled during them. If you don't communicate that you actually want to have a focus day on Tuesday and a buffer day on Monday, you don't want to kick off the week focusing. If you don't communicate that, it's not going to end up that way. So it sounds so basic, but it's not. Because if you're not in the habit of doing it, it's an oversight. You don't think about it. It's so easily missed. You're exactly right. I mean, the preliminary wins we see this time and time again come from the quick delegations, the email, the calendar support, EA stuff, right? Like people have a very clear idea of what it means to get an EA working for them and on their team. But taking the time to have those big picture conversations, that's where the transformation happens. Right. And I don't think it has to take a long time. You know, if you do use the language of free days, focus days and buffer days, you know, it's not hard to color code that at the beginning of the quarter. And that actually protects your free day. So that's super smart. And there, you know, we've got a calendar, the weekly planner. Everyone's got a Google calendar or something that you can just color code it out. It's also important to base that on energy, right? So are you someone who just hits the ground running on Mondays and you want to have Mondays a focus day? You do want Fridays to always be buffer. Maybe you want them to be free. You know, it's just a matter of figuring that out based on your goals. And then when you have that all laid out, then that's at least an 80% version for your team member, your assistant to work on. And then he or she can negotiate and he's like, "Eh, any chance of moving a focus day, (laughs) switching the focus and buffer this week because blah, blah, blah. Because it's always going to be something that's in service of something you want. Maybe a key relationship can only meet on a Monday and not a Tuesday. So that week you're going to flip your focus and buffer. I don't know. I love taking that just one step further, letting them coordinate it, letting them put the different little colors on your calendar, right? Letting them align your calendar. Hey, I've already blocked you out for the next two weeks, Shannon. But again, I see visibility. We can get this into week three and like start transitioning it that way, right? Yeah. And don't try and do their job for them. (laughs) Let them do that is really key. So one of my buffer activities is giving direction about my calendar. It's not doing my calendar. My attention span is I can make one outreach and maybe get one thing back. If it takes more than that, I'm done. It won't get scheduled because I don't have any more mental energy for that. Tons of my role is scheduling for my assistant. Like when we did the Colby Right Fit, both Nicole and I, when we filled up what's called the Colby C, said we wanted a nine follow through. It actually doesn't require quite a nine, but (laughs) that is the number one. Follow through is the number one striving instinct that we need. So just giving direction about your calendar without doing it yourself is key. So it's like, oh, I want this many free days. I want this many focus days and let your person figure out how that works out. Right. And you and I are both coaches, Stephen. So I'm planning a year and a half in advance, right? All of my free days for 2024 are in the calendar. (laughs) And we're recording this midway through 2023. But I have to figure that out. I have to make decisions. 
And I need to be prompted to do that. Just one quick story before we go to our next one. One of my favorite friends, clients, does something brilliant with the weekly planner, but it could be just his schedule. He fills it out, color codes it, handwrites it, scans it in color, and sends it to the 70 most important people in his life, which includes his family, his whole team, his leadership, all the things. Wow. 70 or seven? Seven zero. Wow. Wow. And it's funny, he would say not a great communicator. That is in the eye of the beholder, I think. But he didn't have a great reputation for communicating. Now he's a brilliant communicator just by sharing his calendar, crucial results, all the things. And he's gifted. We were talking about this in our last podcast. It's so transparent, right? It's so obvious what he's doing when, and he's willing to share that. So everyone feels like they know. And the other cool thing, probably because of the tool that I'm talking about, is people see their names on particular projects. And then they're like, oh, here. And it's some of them just get done without him having to have more of a conversation. (laughs) How fabulous is that? But the big point here is he gives a ton of clarity to everyone else about how the week plans out. And that just creates incredible trust. We were talking about that last podcast as well with his team. So the more you can give direction about that, share that, be transparent with it, the more trust it builds in your whole organization. So love that. All right, number two, (laughs) this is really interesting. Let them manage your personal life and personal projects. This is probably a big one for people. Tell me about this. Yeah, so (laughs) the relationship works well when you are less stressed and more creative, right? As long as you're mired in, you know, trying to schedule the plumber to come to the house and you know, getting in trouble because it's been six weeks since the last time you set up date night and all of those other things of personal life that get in the way and are important, but, you know, don't necessarily help you, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing, any given quarter. Those are opportunities where your assistant can come in and and I think be really, really helpful. Again, we see a lot of preliminary wins come from the work stuff. I think that's what a lot of people have in mind when they bring an EA onto the team. But the date nights, making sure that you're getting enough sleep and going and working out and all of those things, the ways in which your life intersect with your business, when you're an entrepreneur, it's pretty much 24-7. There's no distinction, right? And so you need to have the same wider view of your relationship with the EA as well. Because again, that just gives a greater surface area for your executive assistant to help you out, to be able to achieve your goals. Your goals are greater than just what you're going to accomplish in the business over the next quarter. One of your goals is clearly staying married and being a good parent. It is, you know, making sure that the house is in good working order, right? These are things that come across your desk that need to get dealt with and are great opportunities for your assistant to break down that mental wall, that barrier that says, oh, that's a personal thing and therefore I have to take care of it. Well, hold on, nobody, there's no rule about that, right? You know, you don't have to be the person to take care of that. I just want to, this is actually, Dan talks about this in one of his recent quarterly books, called The Geometry of Staying Cool and Calm. And there are three rules. The first one is everything's made up. The second one is nobody's in charge. And he also likes to say, it's like you make up the rules to your own game. Design them so you can win. (laughs) It's your game, right? So if you're kind of absorbing some old rules from corporate or from education or family or whatever, you have to realize you have to really take ownership of your own game. And these are your rules and make sure they work for you. And that includes having your assistant handle those personal things. Now, Stephen, 
you've talked about this a little bit, I think towards the beginning of our podcast series, but you are superb. You're probably one of the people I know that's best at doing this. Can you share again some ways that your assistant supports your personal life? Yeah, I'm I'm sure a few. I mean, obviously Ryan mentioned staying in touch with friends. So my assistant, we have a better friend report where she weekly goes on and she stays connected of what people, my friends are posting on Facebook. And she creates a little summary. I don't have to go through all the politics. I don't have to go through all the. And so she knows the kind of the things that I want to celebrate and I want to know about of my closest friends. And it allows me to stay connected. I get a short digest weekly and I get to respond within the document. And then she goes and posts the comments back or she'll schedule the call or, hey, the lunch or let's, should we send them a gift, right? And so it's a really, really powerful way that we do that. She definitely can also have a better husband report. So she will go out and research upcoming concerts, openings of restaurants, things that my wife really, really loves. And she'll give me a list and here's the thing. And here's this special artist coming in that you guys like, music artists, right? And so- Yes. And let's do that. And let's order flowers. And so I get to really just show up and be my unique ability and be with the person I love, you know, same for kids and on and on. My fun one though, right now that's new, that's kind of like a, maybe a bit of a special project. And I know this will air after she finds out about it, but my wife and I are celebrating our 20th anniversary next week. Congratulations. Thank you. And so long story for another time, but our wedding day was very interesting. Her parents were going through a divorce at the time and there was a bunch of, you know, drama. She's always wanted to renew our vows and maybe a little bit of a turn to me. I've always jokingly said to her, my response has been, I meant it the first time. And so, you know, I really don't want to go back through that experience. (laughs) And so... She doesn't know this, but my assistant, wonderful assistant, helped me put together a certificate that she's about to get. It's framed. It's beautiful. We got designers involved for a 25-year anniversary wedding vow renewal, and it's going to be the hugest party. We're going to recreate our first date, live music, the whole nine, but at the concert's going to be at our place. So anyway, nice. that all like was a great idea that would have gone nowhere because of how busy and any other things that I'm committed to. But that idea being put in the right hands went to the right people to make it happen. So fun stuff. Oh my. How creative could you be if you weren't the one responsible for implementing every little detail? Right. Yeah. And again, it's come up a couple of times, but it's like what any one of us can do by ourselves is small. And what we can do together is so much bigger because you involve other people's creativity, to your point, other people's energy, other people's time, you know, and I think it makes you a phenomenal husband and a phenomenal friend that you are, some people might say, oh, doesn't mean anything if he's not doing it himself. Bull crap on that one, because you are actually investing time, creativity, resources of other people to actually create this incredible experience. I'm like sitting here in awe. Well, two things. One, it wouldn't happen, right? Yeah. So that idea just dies on the battlefield. I mean, like it just doesn't happen, right? <laughs> and then secondly, because I know some people listen like, oh gosh, I'm not sure I could like ask for something like that. And oh man, you know, yeah. she loves it. My assistant loves that. She is supporting me in this way. And then I'm getting to show up in this way for the people that are so important to me. To my mind, that just shows incredible care and thoughtfulness. And you get prompted. One of the best things I think a great support partner does, an executive assistant, is they prompt us. 
right? They're pulling that information together, which by the way, they're way better at. <laughs> Big generalization, but in my experience, completely true. And you know, they're prompting, what do you want to do about this? What do you want to say back to this person? What do you want me to post? Do you want me to order flowers? Like we're great when we're prompted. We're terrible when we're not, right? It's like, this is a winning formula. I'm an idea machine. Execution is the, it's the challenge if I don't have someone that can run with it. I've been playing around with Patrick Lencioni, table group profile working genius. And there's evidence to support exactly what you're saying. We're idea people. We're not tenacity people getting across the finish line. <laughs> tenacity is my last. Mine too. <laughs> Dan just did his yesterday. It's really fun. All right, cool. Next thing I want to talk about. So we've talked about managing your personal life and projects. Great example, Stephen. The next one is daily syncs, after which I wrote a big yes because I think one of the other problems this might be a pitfall for the last podcast is not meeting frequently enough, not being in constant communication with your EA. So there's a big cost when you don't, and there's a massive win when you do. But this is what the highest performers do, right, Ryan? Yeah, and I think it's a challenging one because you don't know what missed opportunities you're missing out on if you don't invest in the relationship through a daily sync. And this can be lightweight, right? So a few points. This is a great example. Even early on, it needs to be assistant-led. The idea that you have to come prepared to this meeting every single day, it's hopeless. It's dead on arrival. And that's not the direction that the work should flow. Your assistant leads this meeting. It's their opportunity. Again, even early on in the relationship, that's their time to shine and say, hey, let's put together the day. Here's what we've got coming ahead of us. B, it's a great place to batch non-urgent questions. So your assistant's mm. naturally going to have a lot of questions for you early on the relationship, right? Know you, understand you, anticipate you. That's it's the pyramid or hierarchy of how this forms. But a lot of those questions are not urgent. So this is a great place for your assistant to batch them, right? And then the last thing is, is I think everyone admires sort of Warren Buffett's perspective on compound interest and what's possible with the benefit of time. We all look at Warren Buffett and say, wow, that's great. You know, he's built this financial empire. And the daily sync is the compound interest of your EA relationship. It's the thing that you invest in a little bit every single day. And over time, it really grows. There are two pieces to how the daily sync shows up, I think, you know, or, or maybe two phases. Early on, it's the forming of the relationship. It's growing, it's building, it's forming confidence. It's making to, you know, our last podcast, it's making deposits in the trust bank. But the second piece of it, and I think, again, there's so many ways that you can think about things as sort of the 101 level, and then you can take it to the next level. It's how you make sure that the relationship doesn't get stagnant, right? Mm -hmm. It's one of the ways in which you're fulfilling your assistant's growth mindset. And that's the most important thing that we look for when we hire is, does your assistant have a growth mindset? Because where you are today is not where you're going to be tomorrow. And it's certainly not where you're going to be a year from now. And that daily sync allows you to remain aligned in your growth. You're continuing to make an investment in that growth between you and your assistant. Mm, so much about that is fabulous. So much wisdom in this one, one little point. I think there's such a relief when you say they lead it, you don't have to. Like that is super cool. You just show up. How hard can yeah, that be? Right, exactly. And it can be a phone call. It can be a Zoom call. It can be a Slack message, whatever format you're comfortable with as well. It can be a text message. Like don't make rules that you're going to dread about how it has to be structured, right? We actually got this feedback early on from one of our clients. It's like, I do the daily sync, but I just, I don't know. I can't imagine like preparing for that daily meeting every single day. I'm like, whoa, 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 we're off the rails here. Let's, <laughs> you just answer the call and let's go from there. 
Oh my gosh, I love it. Because I do this. Now, days where I'm coaching, <laughs> that doesn't happen, which is fair enough, unless she wants to meet with me at 7 a.m., which I'm probably not alert for. There's something that becomes a touchstone, becomes a calm part of your day. It's actually a foundation because you can be yourself. Like I've done this for the last 10 years. Like first thing in the morning, I'm a tea person. Most of my people are coffee people. We sit, we catch up, we do a positive focus. How was your night? How's your family? We built the relationship. Why the daily sync I think is so important is nothing falls through the cracks because you're catching everything. But the other is it's a relationship, not a transaction. If it's weekly, it's transactional. But the daily means that this is your person who's got your back, cares about your calendar, can give you updates, all the things. And for me, it's an incredibly enjoyable, calming part of my day. I wouldn't miss it. Now, does it happen every single day? No, it doesn't. But if I'm super busy or she's away or something, we miss it big time. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a really important best practice. And no, you're not going to be perfect at it. That's not the goal. Let's not gap out on getting four out of five days in any given week. It's the habit though. It's the muscle that you build over time. And we prepare our assistants with a whole battery of what look a lot like icebreaker questions to pepper in as well, but in reality are great ways for your assistant to, in a very casual way, get to know your preferences and style. So like I might kick it off and say, hey, describe your ideal vacation or the best vacation you took. Give me the details. Where'd you stay? How'd you get there? Like all the little things that now I'm able to suss out without asking because I've been assigned, you know, schedule my vacation. I'm able to suss out all the little details about what's important to you, what your preferences are, what sort of styles. And, And you multiply that, you know, you have these quick icebreaker questions over the course of a relationship and you get to really know somebody. And now you're sort of getting that vibe that, wow, my assistant reads my mind. You know, he or she really understands me. It doesn't have to be a burden to build that relationship. You can use the benefit of your long time horizon to create that with intentionality. Uh-huh. Yeah. And again, for me, it's a very joyful part of my day. I love it. Very cool. Yes. Daily things. Do those. <laughs> now, the next point, number five actually it's number four on my list now, is prioritize replying to your assistant. And I mentioned this last time in the kickstart session I did yesterday for clients who've signed up but not yet started. In one of my small group breakouts, people declared themselves, actually the whole group did too, they were the number one bottleneck, right? And we just undercut the effectiveness of our assistants if we don't get back to them. Now, am I perfect? No, but I do prioritize replying to her because everything that she's doing is in my best interest. So I want to dive into this because I think having coached assistants for so long and hearing all the horror stories, it's like, I can't get on the calendar in our coaching program that we have for strategic assistants. They're like, one of the things we want is for people to meet in between the session. Oh, well, we're supposed to have a meeting, but something else came up and it's like, oh, she's sad, right? So Make your assistant a priority. This is how you do all the things that we've been talking about in terms of having this really strategic relationship. Anyway, that's kind of my emotional way in on this, but <laughs> please describe this some more. Why is this so critical? Well, I mean, it's obvious in what you said, right? It's like, if you want to build this trust, you want to have, you know, integrity in your leadership, not just with your assistant and this trusted bank with our assistants. Mm-hmm. You want to have that with your best clients, your team members, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just common sense 
You just got to do it, right? right? But what I would go is one step further. I think the highest performers don't just prioritize responding to their assistant. Mm-hmm. They proactively are looking for opportunities to communicate with their assistant. And so it is not uncommon, right? That sometimes I don't get to something. Yesterday, I had a meeting with a client of an old business that we had and we sold. It was a great friend. We hadn't connected in a long time. And the brother passed away and we got in this really deep, rich conversation and really, really connected back. And there was some other stuff that she had scheduled that I didn't get to, right? Mm-hmm. And so I could have just gone to my next appointment and moved on and you know gone throughout my day. But I proactively, hey, I'm not going to make that next appointment right. right on time. So I need you to communicate that. And that thing that you had me to do between those two appointments, you need to move it. And I don't know when you're going to move it. You know, the priorities, it's just, it needs yeah. to be rescheduled, right? <laughs> and so it keeps me on track and she will continue to play Tetris to get it all in so that I still achieve what I'm trying to achieve over any given quarter. I love that you said Tetris. That's exactly what we call it. Katrina does Tetris on my calendar and I don't even, thank God I don't know because I would find it so stressful. And they find it fun, right? And then we get to just like, it's wonderful. (laughs) And the fact that they don't mind doing it or like doing it is cool, but shocking to me. (laughs) I would just share some things that I've learned in talking with folks who've been blocked on this a little bit. One of the things that sometimes is, I think, a blocker mindset is responding in the same medium that you're getting asked the question. And so like, for instance, they'll get a text message or an email and they feel like they have to reply via text message or email. And that's a burden. And that is just enough friction for them not to reply. There's no rule that says you have to reply in the way that you're being asked to your assistant. Pick up the phone, give them a call, do a quick Loom video if you want to communicate asynchronously, you know, get on the Zoom if you want face-to-face and do a screen share. Like, that's great. They're getting them an answer and you can go outside of the way that they ask the question to get the reply to them. So just a little blocker that I see sometimes, but then also ask why, why am I not replying to this right now? What is like the underlying reason that there's a blocker here? Is it that I don't know the answer? Yeah. Is it that I feel like I have to have additional research? Yeah. Is it that I feel like my assistant is going to complete this in the way that I would expect them to? Is it not urgent to me and it's something that should be punted to the daily sink? Like all of those things can be transparent answers to your assistant. I don't have enough information on this to make a decision. I don't trust that this is going to be handled the right way. We need to talk about how we do it the right way in the daily sink tomorrow. Like you have to be clear and you have to understand yourself well enough to know why you're not replying because it's very easy to let yourself off the hook and say, I'm too busy to reply to that when in reality, there's something else going on. Oh, brilliant. One of the other things is people don't know to say, I don't know, right? And I don't know is a valid answer. That's an invitation to your assistant to help you get the information you need to make the decision. It is valuable information to communicate back to that person. Yes. Yeah. And I need to do this more in person or in the format you're trying. Sometimes in the old days, when we had fax machines, you know, and someone needed some information, I would say, whatever the short request is, I can handle when I'm traveling, anything long, no, I'll wait till I come back. But it was like, yes, no, maybe, right? And so if, if the maybe box is checked, it's like, I haven't decided yet. It's not close enough for the deadline for it to be clear what the right path is. I don't have enough information. I'm concerned about this, you know, and this is where we can feel like we should have an answer. We should know all the things. We have to get rid of that head trash. And just go, "Mm, I'm not sure yet. I haven't decided. I'm concerned about this, this, and this, and I can't figure out which one is going to make the biggest difference, right? Like that is very valuable information for your person to know. 
Excellent point. Great. Steven, sorry, I think I cut you off. Not at all. I loved where it went. It's perfect. I would just say the highest performers, though, if you look hands down, they're not just doing daily. They're looking for opportunities to proactively keep them just in sync with what's going on with them, period. Which is how you treat a partner. Yeah. I think about really great marriages. They keep each other in sync with what is going on and they don't leave them out of the loop. Like communication is key. Even energy levels, right? Like I need some margin here before this next thing, right? Right. I'm feeling extra hungry. You know, whatever it is, it just keeping in sync, right? That they have the ability to really support you, but in a vacuum, they don't know. They don't know how to support you. I'm going to include my communication builder exercise in the show notes because it's how do you like to give communication? How do you like to receive it? And those are not always the same thing. Like I will always choose face-to-face overwritten, always, right? And my assistant is usually opposite. We do meet in the middle sometimes, but it's what do I need when I'm stressed? What don't I want when I'm stressed? What's the best time to communicate with me? Usually not when you're hungry, like those sorts of things. And it's really simple, but it's not obvious because we tend to assume that everyone else is like us. It's a good, another podcast, assumed, but not obvious, (laughs) right? And it just brings those things up to the surface. You're like, oh, you're a morning person. Mm, I'm not, (laughs) and that kind of thing. So I think we'll include that as an additional resource. It'll be kind of fun. There's one another point here before we jump to our next one. A short prompt reply will likely save you from having to do more work that will result from you neglecting the message. Just want to put an exclamation mark on that. So a short, quick chat back, a text, something, voice message, a lot, a lot of people like to do, just set someone on the course that is much more productive and prevents much more work later on. I think that was a great point. Next one I want to talk about is giving EAs to high value team members. This is kind of interesting. So there actually might be a team of executive assistants before you guys jump in. When we were talking about, you know, having them look after personal things, one of our really great friends, clients, you guys know him too, actually was talking to me a lot about he's hired this fabulous EA. And then he also has a large family, a lot going on, a plane, other business opportunities that are not part of his main business. And so he actually needed a second person. And it was, how is that going to work and all the things. But he has one person for personal and one person for business, which I think is brilliant. So to my mind, it, it kind of validates all of the points we've been talking about. So let's talk about a team of EAs because some people may have just started to wrap their head around getting one. <laughs> and now we're talking about the best performers actually have more than one or have them for other team members too. So let's talk about that. Yeah. And your example there is very relatable. I have another business that I'm a part of and I have a separate executive assistant that works in that business, right? And so there are two ways to think about it, right? You can have that personal or business, you know, pair of EAs. You can have, you know, if you're involved in other businesses, having another EA is is really valuable in that regard. But ultimately, this is really the inverse of what we talked about last time in the pitfalls episode of making your EA a shared resource. Right. So on the one hand, you see the value of the EA for you and how much of a point of leverage that becomes in your life. And you want the same thing for your other team members and you call it your leadership team and fellow executives in your business. The solution is not to give them your EA. It's to recognize that they would benefit and they would get the same benefits from having an executive assistant on their team. So I think that 
we're beginning to see this more and more commonly where entrepreneurs are seeing the value of that person in their lives and saying, well, I've got these really highly paid executives on my team and I want to maximize the time that they spend in their unique ability because that confers great benefits to the organization. How can we use the same thinking, the same thought process, the same system to make sure that they are maximizing the time they spend in their ideal day? But not the same assistant. That's right. Not the same assistant. <laughs> same thinking, same process, but not the same person. I love that. That's right. And it's interesting, even with people who have mental energy for specificity and details and scheduling, what do you want them working on? Do you want them working on their calendar or do you want to be working on your long-term strategic plan? Right? So you can oversimplify things like, oh, this person has the mental energy to do this. But it's like, yeah, but if they're using it for this, they're not using it for that. Right. So what is the highest and best use of each of your people and play to that? And that's why it's worth the investment. I think that's really key. Stephen? I have a fun personal success story with this. In my old business, we bought an insurance agency and there was a producer that drove everybody crazy. This guy generated over a million dollars of recurring revenue every year. He almost every year added nearly another million, which is like top shelf in that business and industry, right? But he wouldn't follow any processes. He was extremely abrasive. He was always like on and on and on and on, right? And so he's probably part of the reason why they sold the company. They were just like over him, right? So just understanding and meeting with them and understand the situation, they were asking him to do a bunch of things that were completely in the incompetent and competent zones, right? Like he wasn't a guy that was going to follow it. He was off the charts, quick start, low fact finder, right? wonderful in sales, brilliant on his feet, but he wasn't going to plug in the system and fill in all the details and make all the notes, right? And so we hired an assistant, we invested an assistant for him. And all of a sudden, everybody loves him. He's wonderful. He's so great to work with. He gives us all these thoughtful gifts and he's always saying thank you and all these things that the assistant, you know, prompt him to. And oh, by the way, he sold 2 million the next year. Right. And so literally they were ready to fire this guy, you know, despite all the revenue generated, he was driving everybody crazy, but it was, they were just asking him to play out of position. I love that story. I am so going to borrow that. That's brilliant. Yeah. And I think something we haven't talked a ton about, but that when, when we're not doing what we're meant to be doing, when we're being asked to exert mental, physical, emotional energy to do things which we, we run out of really fast, we become really grumpy, right? And when you can free yourself up with someone who does love and enjoy that task and does it better than we would do it anyway, all of a sudden you see the best part of people's personality come out rather than the worst. I'm glad you said that, Stephen, because one of my pet peeves in organizations is where managers will want salespeople to do things like, you know, I want them to fill out their expense reports. I want them to fill out their timesheets. I want them to fill out all of these usually long initiating fact finder follow through activities when they use that up researching their client. Thank you very much. Right. And it drives me batty because they take this really capable, outgoing, like closing capability, creating value capability, and then they put them behind a desk. It's like, why are you doing that? <laughs> Set them up with a buddy. You know, it could be a technical expert, could be an EA, could be something and just have that tag team. And it's like, it would just make so much more sense to me, but it's not a common way of thinking. Well, kudos on figuring out the strategy and having this guy produce 2 million. Love that story. It was a great win for everybody. And, you know, we all get lucky sometimes. And that was one of them, you know. 
strategically lucky. Strategically lucky. <laughs> I love that one. Awesome. So next one to touch on is your assistant can do so much more than inbox, calendar, and to-do lists. Again, this kind of goes back to don't be task courting. <laughs> Make sure you give them longer term things to do because they can also be a project manager. So there's a lot, and you guys have a fabulous list of things that you're going to share, but let's talk about everything that an executive assistant can do. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, again, all of the the obvious opportunities. So the way that we think about the beginning of the relationship is task management and to some degree, project management, calendar management and scheduling, email and box management, mm-hmm. you know, the basics. But then there are some additional capabilities that we train on that, that we find that, you know, folks get a lot of value out of. You know, background brief is a great example of this. It's a one pager document that you can read five minutes before you meet with somebody new for the first time. And now you've got all the common points of connection, camaraderie can be formed in new relationships. You know what school they went to or what their favorite sports team is or whatever that point of connection is. So there are little ways that, you know, the way we thought about it was what are those friction points in everyday entrepreneurial life and how can we get an executive assistant involved in, in helping smooth those over or make them better? The daily brief and the daily bullet, those are really important to us. The brief is the email you look forward to receiving, actually. You know, the newspaper review. Here's everything you've got coming up for the day. Here's everything that you need at your fingertips. Here's what we've got going on so you can be prepared for the day. And I always keep my daily brief in my inbox all the way until I get my daily bullet at the end of the day, which is to borrow some, you know, coach terms and thinking on this is closing open files in your mind, right? You know, being able to have confidence that as you transition out of the workday, that things are being looked after and take care of, that you know you've got a full accounting of what your assistant did for you that day. The personal concierge points, you know, all the travel, making sure date night is always on the calendar at one of your favorite restaurants, you know, like Stephen was talking about with the better husband, better friend, you know, playbooks that he runs, all of those personal tasks that can be done by an assistant, super, super important. But also to expand this out and go even deeper, you know, your assistant should be able to hire other people on your behalf as well. So when you're getting the designer involved in something, if you don't have the designer on the team, don't let that be a blocker because it was a blocker for you. Your assistant should be able to go out and, you know, go to these great online communities like Upwork where you can find talent. You know, if you've got a special project that you need to bring in a fractional expert for, your assistant can post that job posting. They can use ChatGPT to create the perfect post and then to, you know, interview the applicants for it and review who the best fit would be. All of that friction, all of that pain, wherever you feel that friction, those things that you just can't quite do because there are too many steps involved in executing them, those are ample opportunities to invite your assistant into the way that you're thinking about it and ask if they have creative ways that they could go tackle it for you. One of the other things I see too with quick starts is that they might know what needs to get done and how to get it done and and what they want to go do, but they are sort of self-sabotaging because they know that they don't have the wherewithal to get it done, right? That there are going to be so many opportunities to get distracted by something else or for the project to go off the rails that they don't even get started. But that's the perfect opportunity to invite your assistant in and say, hey, here's this project that I have. I know all of the steps that need to go into it. And I just need you to go and execute, you know, point by point to get it to a completed state. Nice. It's like you be the guardrail. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. As you're going through that list, the background brief, the daily brief, the daily bullet, personal concierge, hiring other people, leveraging Upwork, chat GPT. I'm kind of like, I mean, you guys can see my face, but people listening can't. I'm like, whoa, 
That is so cool. That is high level executive support, right? So you're always prepared, always ready. And the cool thing is, you know, we all can get ready pretty darn quickly, right? But we still need that prompt of information or that reminder. It's like, oh yeah, this is on your calendar. Because I look at my calendar all the time. My gift is being present in the moment. It's also a curse when I don't remember what's coming up the next 10 minutes, right? I'm not the only one. I specifically asked my assistant to, you know, if I haven't checked in, you know, when I need to leave from say like a lunch meeting where I want to be fully present and I don't want to have my phone out and be, you know, constantly checking the clock. If I haven't checked in on time to get out of there for the next meeting, then she's calling me and she's giving me this great excuse to be like, ah, I finally realize I'm going over on time. Right. And so little things like that, those are quality of life upgrades where I feel more relaxed and confident about how the day is going to play out. It's going to be a more consistently good day, day after day. I really like how you put that, Ryan, because it means that you can relax into the moment, relax and being fully present with the people that you're with or in your deep work project, knowing that someone's got your back. Someone's going to make sure you, (laughs) we joke about this at Coach, someone's going to make sure you are where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there right? I don't have to put my attention on that anymore when I know someone else is looking out for me. And again, it may seem like one of those things, this is where the judgment and head trash comes in. You should be able to do that. It's like, well, says who? Some people's attention is really good at the before and after and terrible in the present. And others of us are wired differently. So why don't we just work together? (laughs) It's kind of my, my conclusion about all of that. Steven? And taking your brain off it is, you know, and Dan's 10x is easier than 2x with Ben. I mean, it, it is transformational, right? It is transformational and it is a qualitative shift, right? By being able to be more creative because your brain's not on, am I on time or not? And I'm just able to be fully present and engaged in my unique ability. Yeah. I think that creativity wins when your brain isn't focused on doing tasks that's not great at is profound. And I think that gets underappreciated a lot. To me, it's the difference between being a corporate executive versus an entrepreneur. Corporate executive has to have a whole bunch of, someone described this to me one time, I was in a conversation and I was like, I do not understand your world. It's like, you need to have a bunch of broad skills and a few deep ones. Most entrepreneurs I know have a few deep ones, end of story. (laughs) Which is why they're more successful, wealthier, create more value, have a bigger impact in the world, but don't expect the broad. It's kind of not happening. There's a few deep things at which they are absolutely brilliant. And this is backed up by Lewis Schiff's book, Millionaire Next Door and Business Brilliant is validated. The ultra high net worth people, when they asked how many things are you really good at, their answer was 1.8. Less than two things. Mm. If you ask the middle class, it's like, oh, I'm really good at five or six things. There's a point here, (laughs) right? If you're going to be really, really good at only a few things, you're not going to be very good at a lot of other things. So get the teamwork and support that you need. Bam. All right. Also, connected to this one is let your assistant control your to-do list. This might be a delegation death grip (laughs) like we talked about last time, but this has been profound. I actually, to-do list and I would add project list to this for me. So, and in fact, just this week, Katrina and I had our strategic project list, which is strategic project is part of weekly planner, part of coach. Last quarter, we planned 61, we did 72. Not last quarter, last month. I'm sorry, it was four and a bit weeks. And if I had to manage that, I'm sorry, I do about 10 projects. But because she's managing it, I can get so much more done. So that's my project list. It includes a bunch of to-dos, but I don't manage that at all. 
because A, it wouldn't happen. But she's got the mental energy for that, and I don't. So I, to my mind, I'm just a quadruple yes on this one. But I'm sure I'm. that's not that common in my experience. It's not. One of the things that we see is that to-do lists can sometimes be deceptive because every individual to-do occupies the same amount of space. It's kind of like an email inbox in that regard where every email is just another line item, but some emails require hours of work and other emails take seconds of work. Some to-dos take hours of work and some to-dos take seconds of work. And if your assistant is really aligned with you and what your goals are and what you need to get done and what's on your to-do list, they can bring all of that together. And what we see the most effective entrepreneurs do is they know that they have time. And one second is one second is one second. It is the universal unit that is the same regardless of what you're doing. And so they'll be really effective at having their assistant organize their to-dos and then say, here's where we're going to slot these in. And it also gives them a greater sense of peace to know what isn't going to get done because Mm -hmm. there just simply isn't the time to do it. And so that's one of the areas where I think that it brings all of the pieces together, your projects and your to-dos, your emails that need to get responded to, the appointments that you have. At the end of the day, you're spending time. And so what's the best, highest way you could be spending that time? And your assistant needs to be part of that conversation. I can't imagine someone being effective any other way, to be perfectly honest. It's mysterious to me. Kudos to those who figure it out without doing it this way. Stephen? And two other byproducts is one, it's a pressure release valve for a lot of entrepreneurs, right? You start feeling like all these things stacking up and you got all these sticky notes, but by letting them manage it, you know, it's a pressure release valve. And then two, mysteriously on mine, a lot of times I don't realize that they can do it. So by just being in the habit, I don't have to think about who even is supposed to do it. I just know that it's got to be to done. And sometimes it's me and sometimes it just disappears. And I'm like, what happened to... Oh, I handled that. So, right? (laughs) I love that. That's what's really fun. And yeah, it actually gives your team an opportunity to support you and to get stuff done. Yeah, I love that. You know, in my case, if I have something, a goal that goes two quarters without movement, right? Mm -hmm. She's pressing on me because we know it's a clear indicator. I'm either not really that committed to that to-do or project or I'm missing a who. Yeah, or you're not the who. (laughs) Is what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. There's some other great, Coaching points that you've written down that I'm going to capture because they're so good. With time, your assistant learns to build your calendar around your current energy. This is a true metric, everybody. Like one of the things I realized, if I have a lot of front stage stuff, so interviewing podcasts, book author interviews, whatever, obviously author interviews for the book, then for me sitting down and being quiet and trying to draft something really hard. I kind of need to do design or writing work first thing in the morning with no distractions. Like I just can't switch task that way. It just doesn't work. I'll be checking emails. I'll be doing something else. And I'll either do it really, really late at night or really close to the deadline. But I'm like, that was my insight this week about my energy. It's mental energy. That's what we're talking about. So they will get to learn that and you'll get to learn that too. You're like, why do I keep failing at doing this task at this time of the day? the wrong time for me to be doing it, right? Everyone gets smarter as a result of that. They are often able to keep your schedule more organized and efficient than you can by a long shot. (laughs) And they're able to be your task filter, removing and delegating delegatable tasks before they even reach your to-do list and schedule. You get freed up. That's magic. Yeah. And look, as long as you're doing your daily sync, as long as you're reviewing what's getting done and not getting done, I mean, your assistant should be observing and pointing these trends out to you as well. The fact that something didn't get done isn't necessarily a failing on your part. It's that your energy wasn't there. 
you didn't have the right information. Something was missing, right? And I think, again, the the more meta conversations you're having, the deeper conversations about why with your assistant, the more likely you are to get faster, better results. Yeah. And you keep learning, you keep refining. There's no bad or judgment. It's just like, oh, here's what's new, which I think is really cool. Second last one, use efficient communication strategies. And you have a list of tips about this, but I think this is really key. And you kind of mentioned using different, if you get communicated with one way, you don't have to respond the same way. You can do it a different way. And what I appreciate about our current world is that we have a lot of really cool, fast ways of communicating. You know, there's Slack, there's chat, there's Teams. I mean, I got a text today just before a meeting with Dan Sullivan. By the way, Dan sent through the files that you need for this conversation. I'm like, oh, good, because I was doing something else. <laughs> so, and she texted me, didn't chat me because she knew I probably wasn't looking at that. Like, she's so effective at doing that. I try and do Zoom because that's my favorite or in person and find what works for you, right? It's different communication methods for different people. Yeah. And be clear about what you need as well. Are you somebody who needs information and knowledge to feel like you're communicating? Do you need somebody who needs to see things framed in terms of progress and results? Do you need things to be flexible and Mm -hmm. options given to you? Like you've got to have a conversation about like what way you receive information as well. So your assistant can be sending you things in a package that makes sense to you and that doesn't cause friction. Ooh, I love that. I realize as you're talking, I'm like, okay, this is why I love profiles so much because it gives me language to explain myself. It's such a great toolkit. Otherwise, I use way too many words, but I can say, hey, I need the bottom line strategies. My print, I'm all doing. Like all this information is nice. What are we going to do about it? Right? It's like, let me know what my options are. That's a quick start. It gives me the toolkit, as you said, to be able to explain myself in a way that's not... That's just clean. That's probably my best way of describing it. And also appreciating where they're coming from and what they need. So I'm quite capable of not giving enough information. So I'll give people a ton of permission. Ask me what you're wondering about. Don't leave thinking you'll figure it out, which is what I used to do. Prompt me with, I'm open to questions. Just because I only give you three facts and you need six, let me know what you need and I'll answer questions to the best of my knowledge, right? So it's another two-way street. Mm, So good. All right, the last one, number nine. In this, by the way, it might be my favorite. Let your assistant lead. Let your assistant lead. Again, probably a pretty different mindset than most people are entering into this. So what does let your assistant lead mean? What's it look like? Yeah, so the way we phrased is, you know, your assistant's the leader in the relationship and you're the boss, right? We know that that needs to be the dynamic for it to be really successful, but it means that, your expectation of the relationship is that your assistant is pulling things forward Mm. and you're able to follow behind your assistant's lead and provide additional detail, clarity, remove roadblocks or obstacles, provide resources. But really at the end of the day, that's your job to provide the resources or remove the roadblocks that allows them to lead in the relationship and get things done. I think one of the things that we sometimes see is that You get really excited about the high leverage activities that your assistant is doing and you think things are really on track and you're leveling up, you know, what you're capable of doing. But part of your assistant leading means leveling up the work that they're doing as well, right? Don't cover yourself up and getting so much freedom to do 
new high leverage tasks that you forget about the deeper thought work, the deeper thinking, the longer term vision work. Mm-hmm. And again, enrolling your assistant on that. It's not something that just happens in the first 90 days or the first six months or even the first year. This is a constant process that needs to happen for your assistant to continue to lead into a future that is as of yet unknown or uncertain or undefined, right? Your vision of whatever that is. Uh-huh. Is it appropriate in their role to kind of prompt you with that? Because entrepreneurs can reach plateaus and get, I don't want to say stale, but do you know what I mean? They can kind of get stuck at a certain level and then they get bored, restless, and usually grumpy. And then that kind of propels them to the next level of growth. If an assistant sees that, should they say something? Like, how does that dynamic work? I'm such a big fan of like habit stacking, right? So, you know, connecting one habit to another. And and for a lot of the folks listening to this podcast, going to coach every quarter is going to be one of the habits that they're in, right? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the habits you can stack on top of that is having a really thoughtful conversation with your assistant the next day about everything that you went through because coach is such a great vehicle for figuring that stuff out. And it gives you the perfect excuse. You've done the thought work now. Now communicate it to your assistant. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's my positive focus. Here's where I'm going, right? And the work you're already doing is there. Now you take advantage of the opportunity to enrich your assistant's view of your world so they can continue to lean into that. I so love that. What I see a lot of people doing during the workshop is they'll take a picture of their exercise. They'll text it to their assistant and say, ask me about this when I get home. 100%. Which is such a cool way to do it. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning, Coach. But I think having a place where you are constantly stimulated and challenged in a community of entrepreneurs to grow your future, to grow your vision, to grow yourself, and then connecting, like that is kind of your job. I love how Dan and Strategic Coach talks about being in charge, not in control. You're in charge of the future vision. And Dan uses the word charge like electricity, like charge up the vision, charge up your team, be the fuel source that they plug into, but don't be in control. Another way to expand on what you've just said, Ryan, their unique ability is to be in control of your time, of your activities, to some extent your energy, right? Like let them control that, let them manage that so that you can accomplish that big vision Now, one of the lines I just really enjoy that Dan uses, I've totally stolen, is I'll say, my security clearance doesn't go that high, right? And the other one he uses, not quite appropriate for this one, but that's about my pay grade. (laughs) And when there's a task or a capability, let me put it that way, that is in your assistance domain, not your own, tell them, oh yeah, my security clearance doesn't go that high. That's Fern's job. That's Katrina's job. That's Nicole's job. That's Sarah's job. That's John's job, right? They're like, oh, like you've just given really important status to that person, which I think is kind of fun. Yep. To me, it all circles back to investment, right? You want to have a great team member with a growth mindset where you can continuously feel like you can invest in the relationship and from Mm -hmm. the investment you're making in yourself at Strategic Coach, which I agree with Ryan, hands down, single best investment I've made in myself ever, right? We're making those investments ourselves. If we want that relationship to continue to grow strong in the future, we've got to continue to invest in them as well. Mm, I love that. Because you guys also have this standard of growth-minded people, right? You want someone who's going to grow with you. You want to be able to grow with them. They want to be able to grow with you. And so what you've given in all of the conversations, particularly today, but the other ones as well, is how to make that happen. 
the mindsets that are required, the actions, the habit stacking. Love that story. <laughs> so true. Habit stacking is 100% the way to go. And just consistently getting better and be willing to, you know, be self-aware, constant improvement, get rid of the head trash. We've talked about what a really great executive assistant is, why it's so important. And today, especially lots of hows for how to take action on that. So, oh my gosh, we're at the end. <laughs> There's some great attachments, some additional resources in the show notes. So please make sure you tap into those, including a great list of 40 things. If you're not sure what to work with with your executive assistant, then this list will spur your creativity. But I just want to say thank you. This has been such a gift. And I just want everyone to be trained by you guys. (laughs) You've put such thoughtfulness and wisdom into how to make this a really great dynamic and successful relationship. I'm like beyond impressed. And I've been having these conversations for a lot of years. So just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Well, thank you. It's something that we're really, really passionate about. I mean, you know, Stephen and I both in in our stories, which I think we sort of shared in a previous episode, we saw firsthand the impact that that had in our lives and the incredible blessing that having the right person on your team can make. Mm -hmm. And we're super passionate about helping others get the same because the world is a better place when you've got more entrepreneurs leaning into their unique ability and allowing other people on their team to lean into theirs. Could not agree more. I would just echo Ryan and just double down. It's been an absolute blast, Shannon. It's been just a complete blast. It's so much fun. And I think a lot of just value creation. So thank you for your leadership in this conversation, the wisdom, the work that you do, not just with coach, but just in team tools and team success and all of that. So anyway, I love you. I love this community and just uh, really grateful and really excited to hear of all the ripple effects that come from this conversation, our time together. I know I could not agree more. Love you back. <laughs> this has been so fun. And for me, and I've said this once before, but it's like to talk with people I care about, I respect with such wisdom and knowledge that really care about the same audience as I do, that want to be a hero to the same people is such a gift. It's such a blessing for me. So for me, this has been fun. And it's kind of fun for those of you listening. These podcasts are not short. (laughs) It's because we keep finding really cool, interesting, fun things to talk about. I might have the intention of making them shorter, but there's just too much good stuff to say. And that doesn't happen with everyone. So thank you, thank you, thank you for just bringing all the things. And this has been roughly, I'm not sure how many hours of conversation now, but somewhere around six. But I'm sure if we wanted to, we could take it much further. So we won't. But anyway, this has been a true joy. So thank you both. Thank you, Shan. Ditto all of that. It's been a joy. It's been a lot of fun. And I, like Stephen, I'm really excited to see the ripple effects that come from it. So thank you for the opportunity to share something that we're passionate about. And with you, with the coach community, it's always great to have conversations with coach folks because we kind of see the world very similarly, right? And we have a shared vocabulary that coach provides us. And I think that it leads to richer, deeper conversations. So thank you. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. Thank you. It may have been hours, but it's felt like just moments. So thank you for that. Wonderful. And for those of you that have gone on this series journey with us, thank you. I hope you've gotten as much out of it as we have. And the bottom line, and I get to say this at the end of every podcast, but what we are about is your team success by using unique ability, tapping into the amazing other talented who's around you that approach life differently in such a complimentary you know, don't look for clones, <laughs> look for complementary talents, as you've said, Ryan, and share meaningful, not menial work, 
Make sure you connect and build a relationship. Don't make it transactional by having those daily syncs. There are just so many incredible takeaways from what our conversations have covered. So I'm inspired, I'm excited, and I think our audience will be too. So again, thank you. And as always, here's to your team's success. 